Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. And today we are here with Robert Glazer. I'm so excited to have him here, you know, as the CEO and founder of Acceleration Partners. I'm very excited to have him in here to talk about partner marketing. You know, most of you who follow our content, we talk pretty heavily about partner marketing as a scaling strategy. You might hear it called 50 different things, right? Influencer marketing, partner marketing. We call it like JV marketing. There's so many different ways to call it. It's all the same thing. So I'm excited to have uh, Robert in here to talk about that with us here today. So Robert, say what's up to everybody. We'll hop in, man. Hey, Josh. Uh, Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me today. That'll be exciting. So Robert, I want to ask you first off, what is your take on partner marketing for for a company who has just passed a million dollars and plateaued? Uh, yeah, I think, look, they're probably already doing some sort of, it, there's a difference between, let's say, partner marketing and a partner marketing program, right? So building a scalable program. They're probably already doing some partner marketing. Like think of just even like a plumber who says to the electrician, hey, if you send me a lead and when they convert, like I'll pay you, you know, 10% of that lead. Like that's, that's partner marketing. Um, you know, people do that, but, but it'd be very different if the guy said, look, just sign up on the site, you know, send people through your link and you'll get paid automatically. Right. That's a, that's a partner marketing program. So I think everyone can have partner marketing. There's definitely some tech, you know, affiliate marketing. Otherwise you can start to use it around a million in sales, but um, it's probably, if that's a million in online sales, um, it works best when there's an online conversion, because that's where the automation really helps. Right. The problem example with a plumber is you got to manually say, I got a customer with, with, with online tracking, you know, if there was a conversion by how you set up the pixel and you could, you could pay out on that. So I, I think in millions, we could start thinking about it. You know, you're just going to need probably a shared resource or just do it like carefully and, 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 and controlled. You're not going to have obviously the budget to hire like an agency or someone to come in and, and, and manage the program at that point. Yeah. And, and I love how you differentiated that because I mean, everybody does the, the different partner marketing tactics to get yeah. started. So it's business development, right? I mean, it's, right. yeah. But, but, but what the software allows you to do, what people never understood what affiliate marketing was, it was like, it was the same as like, the, the same analogy to sending out an email in BCC or having a, you know, email campaign monitor or my Emma or, you know, one of these, why can't I think of the, what's the really big one that everyone knows the name of the email system? Uh, like HubSpot, uh, constant contact, right? Contact. Yeah, you know, th- th- that's the difference between you could have always sent out emails, but but then constant contact becomes a scalable tool to segment and track and all that stuff. I mean, that that's what the technology has done to sort of affiliate and partner marketing. Yeah, I love that. When one of the things that we found with a lot of the people who've hit that million dollar mark is that they've you really, at that point, you've figured out your message, you know, who you're serving and how you're yep. serving them. And that, Hopefully that really establishes yeah. you well for the next step, which is part of marketing. Would you agree? Yeah. You also need to know your pricing. Like the reason why we don't work with a lot of people when they're launching is because you're asking people to put something on their shelf, take a risk. If you haven't proven out the concept, then you don't want to be asking other people to do that. So yeah, when, when you have your messaging, when you understand your target customer, when you have your pricing, right. Then you're in a position to go to partners and say, this is what I need and this is what I know will convert. And, and by the way, you also understand your LTV. So you can say, 
hey, this this any customer is worth, you know, $500 a year to me, like I'm willing to pay you $100 for that customer. If you don't have any of that data, it's very hard to coach other people to sell your product or service. Yeah, 100%. I, I think uh, one of the big problems that people have is that they when they try to bring on partners, they just say, okay, promote me. And the reality yeah. is you have to treat them like they're two years old if you want them to promote you. <laughs> yeah. Just say, okay, step one. You gotta just give them all this. You gotta like, they are not a customer, right? They're a distribution channel. So you need to give them, hey, you know, it's our biggest sale of the year. That is not a partner message. Like, hey, just so you know, our biggest sale of the year is coming up. This is when we have our highest conversions. Here's banners you can use. Here's messaging you can use. Here are the top five products that are gonna be on sale this week. Like that. that's a that's a partner communication that they can use to then go to their end customers. Yeah. I love that. What, so what is a, what is a partner campaign, a partnership campaign look like for you guys, like how you build them out? Because you're talking about the difference between, you know, finding one or two partners here or there, but like actually using it as a core marketing strategy. So how do you guys leverage that? Yeah. If you have a hundred people in your program, right. You, you kind of would update them like you would a customer. What, what's new? What's different? Is there a sale? What can I promote? Like, what can they use to talk about you? By the way, like, talk about our brand new, you know, thing that's launching and here's some sample copy and here's your link, you know, already in it. You just have to copy and paste. Like, it, it, it's really about educating it and making it as easy as they can to, to promote something. Obviously, you know, incentives and sales and discounts, you know, can drive stuff. But it's better if it's tied to something like, you know, this product is discounted this time only this year. Here's why it's a good product. You know, that's very different than just the whole store is 10% off, you know, every week. There's not a lot of urgency around, around that. Yeah. And that's really interesting that you bring it up that way, because I mean, most of the people who are just trying to do these discounts, it's, it kind of becomes, people get used to it, right? I think about like the Hobby Lobby model, if you're familiar with theirs, like where yeah. they, after their stores half off every week and it yeah. kind of does create urgency, but, but it just, it's a reason to go into the store. My wife loves Hobby Lobby. That's why. Like so. bed, bed, bath and beyond. You know, whenever, whenever they're like, do you have the 20% off coupon? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like these, yeah. these things are like confetti. I can go around the store and find, I just assumed everything's 20% off always. You send them out every day. Like, you know, and, and the funniest part about that is people get so used to it that it like discounts your pricing to the point that right. people won't go unless you've got the deal. Like my wife, yeah. she will intentionally not buy something for a week so she can get it at 40% off whether she can afford it or not. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, it's I, I think deal. deals in support of content or, or messaging are great. You know, just constant deals, you know, is, is just, again, it can, depending on your brand. I mean, are you discount brand or are you not? Like obviously it goes in a few different directions. Yeah. Well, and, and for you guys, um, this is a little bit of a kind of an offshoot question, but when you're building out these partner programs, like an affiliate program, for example, how do you typically financially reward those people? Because you have kind of like the click funnels model, right? Where it's, they give you 40% lifetime commissions. And then you have other influencers where it's like, you know, I'm going to have LeBron James come in. I'm going to pay him a million dollars up front to do a 10 minute or a two minute commercial or something. Right. Yeah. What do you recommend typically for people? definitely not the million dollars up front? I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 most of the things we do are outcome based. So that's a lead or a sale, you know, and, and that is tracked. So it's really like, what are the, what, what's the economic driver for the business? And then how do you line the incentive up that to that, right? If it's ongoing subscription revenue, you know, then you're trying to get a subscribe sire. If it's 
you know, $300 order of, of, of a, you know, clothing, but, but there's not a high repeat, then you're really going after sort of the order value. So it is, it is taking the principles of customer marketing and applying it to partners. Again, what do I, what do I, what is the business need? How do I incentivize them? You know, we're not in the world of, of paying like huge, we don't play pace. I mean, there's, there's sponsorships sometime in fixed categories or a hybrid, like, oh, we're in this category and then plus performance. We're not in the world of like huge upfront payments. That's really more the traditional PR world. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I personally don't love that world either because it doesn't matter how big their name is if there's no results, right? There's, yeah, I mean, we're moving, my, this is my next book outcomes. Like, I think we're just right. moving from input marketing to where like I'm paying for an impression or a click or whatever to paying for an outcome so that there's not a win-lose. Typically marketing's win-lose. Like the way, uh, you know, go back to this first email newsletter called the daily candy, you know, 20 something years ago, like, like someone gets in on something early. It, it provides an awesome ROI. Everyone piles onto that thing. The price goes up 10 X and now it's not about like, if, if you were one of the early advertisers in Daily Candy, it was great for your business. If you're one of the latest ones, you're probably losing a ton of money, right? It wasn't it wasn't that Daily Candy is good or bad. It's very different whether it was $10,000 a CPM or whether it was $100 a CPM. But if, if you go to an outcome orientation, you don't have to play around with this win-lose. If you use anything but the outcome, someone's winning and someone's losing, right? Someone's paying a little too much or not enough. And then the market will will reach equilibrium eventually through supply and demand. So, yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that, uh, that model, because I, for us, I mean, just putting it in the podcaster space, everybody is, is so excited about getting onto podcasts, right? But what we've seen even being guests on other podcasts is that there's, I mean, it's a brand exposure thing, but what we, the way we've structured our podcast is we take the, the interview and we turn it into a summit that allows us to actually track how many people are coming through and right. it becomes like an ROI based activity at that point. So there's, there's financial reward for our guests as well, but it, it presents an opportunity for us to actually track the numbers instead of focusing so heavily on like, well, it's just a brand activity for both of us. Because like you said, it's or one person advertising. Someone could say, look, podcast is awesome. You should advertise on podcast. For $200 an episode, it may have a great return. You know, for $2,500, it may have a negative return, right? It's not, it's not really an absolute. You know, Tim Ferriss is the machine on this. Like, uh, you know, he gets a lot of fixed sponsorships. But you notice there is always a go to whatever the thing is, slash Tim, slash Tim. They are, they are clearly, you know, measuring like the volume that, you know, when they're deciding to pay those big numbers, they're saying, look, we got 400 clients when he ran that podcast. So I, I think he likes the measurement and, and, and they like the measurement. And I think you're going to see just this performance model coming to more and more channels. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's so much to be said for, for tracking the numbers and people are, are building these campaigns. And I think it, it's cool because PR and marketing are starting to kind of merge in that sense. Yeah. Because before it was like, well, we either do PR or we do marketing. And they've kind of, we've crossed that line into a, a mix of both. Well, well the, and the other big driver in that, think about like, you know, how I always say John Wanamaker said a hundred years ago, 50% of my marketing works. I just don't know which 50%. Like a hundred years ago, that was like, okay. Now it really shouldn't be that way. You've got a huge push in D2C companies, right? So they're going direct to customer. They're not looking, they're not selling through wholesale. You sell through wholesalers, you do some TV advertising and you say, oh, the wholesalers seem to be buying more since we ran the TV advertising. And you make a sort of correlated 
argument that that you know that must have to do with that that but 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 you're still kind of just making that input investment and, and and you're associating it loosely with an outcome versus in d2c you can get very specific this person came from x or y or z or multiple channels and once you know that i i, I think you really want to you know, most people translate it into outcomes, but I just would prefer to pay for outcomes from, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Honestly, we won't do any campaign yeah. where people hit us up all the time. Hey, let's do Facebook ads or these sort of things. And it's a fixed rate. And I might, I'll, I'll pay you a percentage, which will make you more money if you're good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've seen big spikes um, in, in what we sell because of that. So I, I love that you're on that same bandwagon. It validates for me. But we're yeah, not. like let's say you <laughs> want to guess, right? And you said, look, um, you know, I will pay, you know, you said, look, a, a good guest for me is worth like $500, right? And you figure out your funnel. So for every, for every you know, 10 guests that apply, you know, one is, you know, one is good. Um, so, so uh, you know, you could either say, look, I'll pay you $500 for a converted guest or I'll pay you, $50 for a qualified, you know, lead and then watch the lead quality carefully. Um, you know, I always think it's better to go down to the bigger number that's actually the outcome, but let's just say it's too hard in this. It's hard for you to push back and take qualified get. You just, you just look and you say, look, that partner has been sending me good leads and, and $50, you know, each. So you, you just pick the point that you want to incentivize. Yeah, I love that. And and I mean, in the podcast sense, I love that you, you mentioned it that way, because a lot of the people here who are running podcasts, I think that's the number one problem that people are having in our space, because they're like, okay, I just need to get to where I can have sponsors, because yeah. Yeah, I didn't have listenership. But what you're talking about is saying, okay, how can I, if, if a good guest comes on, they promote us, and then it runs people through our funnels, how much money am I making per, per guest that comes on? based off of their audience size, it becomes very trackable. You're, you're also creating, in my example, look, it's not that easy to do, but you're saying, look, instead of me having to build a guest process, I'm taking my economics to the world, to all these free agents and saying, if you know how to get me guests and I have a way to do that, I'm gonna pay you for that. It's, it, 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 it's almost like marketplace. It's like an Uber or Airbnb where, where, where you, know, they don't, you don't own the asset, but instead of a marketing team, you could be paying a whole bunch of different people to be working on your business as free agents. That is brilliant. I love that. I might actually have to steal that. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you this. We're going to kind of transition the conversation a little bit here because I want to talk about your specific business model and how you've been growing because it really intrigued me when we first talked um, in the pre-interview you know, you, the target customer for you is actually more of an enterprise level business, you know, a Fortune yeah. 500, Inc. 500 type company. And uh, can you talk us through a little bit of the why and why you decided to to transition and work with that type of customer? Um, yeah, we just, we, we like the challenge. Look, I think most businesses try to move up the funnel, right? You either can have a high volume of low number of accounts or a lower volume of high value accounts. Um, but one of the things we realized is we really want to be working with marketing departments who have budgets to spend and who have a mandate. Uh, I think a lot of times CEOs are very difficult to work with. They have changing objectives. You know, that's what makes them good. They have new ideas. They, you know, they want to do something. They want to turn it off. And we've just found, you know, or, or, you know, they look at this like spend as a necessary evil, not like a budget that's, that's to be spent. So from a service provider standpoint, you know, you don't want to be competing against the, 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 that, that man or woman's, you know, vacation fund uh, in order to be doing some marketing. So look, people have very different models of success with different models. 
ours is a high touch, high resource enterprise service model. It's not a you know uh, high number of count, low cost resource model, and, and, and it's hard for many many businesses to be to be both. And and I would agree. What's really interesting is to watch. Um, a lot of people are scared to reach out to these higher level people because there's more of a risk factor they feel like. But what's really interesting, because you know, if you lose one of these big clients, you're you're out a lot of money, and all of a sudden you can't pay people. But yeah. the reality is, most of these larger companies, you can be locking them into multiple year contracts, even in some cases, much higher. Um, they're willing to spend the money. They're able to spend the money, and they're like, as long as you can provide. They have results, money, right? It's, it's, they have money to spend, right? There right. is a there is a budget. It's not you saying, "Hey, I need extra money from you to do this." Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We all know how that is being the entrepreneur, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to spend money, but when somebody throws a six figure contract at me, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You're, you're debating in your head, like, do I want the new truck or do I want this? Right. And, and it's, I think that's the problem that uh, selling to, to that type of entrepreneur, a higher ticket product to that type of entrepreneur is. So for you guys, how have you, you found um, these high level clients? I mean, getting in the door with companies like this is not, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not simple, right? So how, how have you guys been getting in the door and, and selling these high ticket companies? We, we, we run the barbell approach, I think like, which is, which is, you know, not a lot of sales. It's good thought leadership and excellent delivery, right? So we write a lot of content, things that like lead the industry. I wrote a book on the industry and just kind of, you know, are, are seen as leaders and we have really happy clients who tell other people. And so, you know, those things drive people to us that our sales team, converts, you know, they do not, they're not out there, you know, knocking on doors and, you know, telling people stuff. I, I, to me, I'd much rather have that than like 15 BDRs, you know, knocking down people's doors all, all day long because, you know, convincing them that they want to buy something. Yeah. And I love that approach. What's been really intriguing to me because we have kind of taken the other approach, right? Our goal is to reach out to these companies, find ways to get in the door with them. And then you know, the sales process yeah. happens. And so it's really kind of fun to watch the other side of it where you guys have, you know, it's all about building the content and becoming the thought leader, right? So what's kind of your process around gaining that thought leadership? I mean, you mentioned a book, you mentioned your content, but what does that really look like for your company? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I always say if, if someone asks you a question once and you answer it twice, like it should be an article and then you can point to the article. And that also helps too, where someone says, well, what do you do? You know, where someone says, you know, can we pay you on a performance basis and not any fee up front? You say, well, let me link you to this article about why, you know, it doesn't work, why your finance team will say no when we ask to do this agreement. And then, you know, to them, like, oh, this is, this is a known issue. We thought of it. Like, I, I always sort of am on my team where if they've answered it twice, like it should be a piece of content. And then by the way, that content goes out in the world and it gets shared. And then someone says, Oh, you know what? I really like how that company thinks. Like I was out there looking for performance only, but it makes sense to me that like, maybe I was, you know, not, um, I, I was a little unrealistic in thinking that that was a good way to go. Like we'd be honest with people say, look, I know you want to do performance only, but What's happened is in order to do that, I need a two-year agreement from you if I'm going to work for six months for risk and I need a tail on everything for two years. And you're going to take this to your legal and their finance department and they're going to say, this is too complicated. We don't want to be wrapped into this. So that's why we're going to need some money from you to actually do do work in the next three months. I love that. And and I, I love that you're using the content as a way to educate. So you're not having to have that conversation and train yourself. Yeah, it shows leader. that that conversation is a frequent one, is one that's right. been had. Or like, how can we go our program, you know, if we don't want any, you know, discount sites? Oh, well, 
here's our article on growing your program without discount sites, right? You know, just, you got, you know, as I said, like, I think it's a great, do people ever want to know what content to write? Just take the questions that you're asked the most. That's the best place to start. Um, because not only be able to answer it, you'll be able to show them that you've thought of this in advance and you'll have a really good answer that you don't have to write. See, that is brilliant. I've never really thought of it that way. We will definitely go apply that because we recently wrote like a fact page for our service and there's probably 15 different questions on there, but that's literally 15 different pieces of content that we could write and become thought leaders in that space. Right. So exactly. that's awesome. I love that. So for you guys, you know, we're coming up to the, to the end of the interview here already, but I, I want to ask you, um, how can people connect and learn more from your content um, about partnership marketing? Uh, yeah, then go to accelerationpartners.com. We have a resources section, a webinar section. We have like tons of content. So a blog, um, we're always publishing stuff. There's plenty of free stuff up there if you want to get yourself educated on the on the industry. Hey, can you repeat that one more time just in case people miss that? Yeah, so it's accelerationpartners.com. You are better off just Googling it than trying to punch it in and it will come up <laughs> first for you uh, because you'll make you'll make more typos trying to trying to get the URL right. I love that. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You almost have to do that with a lot of brands, but uh, yeah. for us, you know, we have, we have a product called the Pantheon and people, I'm just like, just Google it. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to ask you one final question though, to, to wrap this up. Yeah. So, you know, we've covered a lot of different topics, but if you could leave one final parting piece of guidance to our audience, what would that be? Yeah. Fi figure out what it is that you value most and what good outcomes for you are. And then, find people who can align to those. I, I think that's the simplest and best strategy. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.